Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. I've got some very good friends visiting with us from Vancouver this morning. Mark and Debbie Graves, they come from this part of the world, schooled in Durban. They've been 22 years in uh, Canada. Know Mark and Bridget Elwood very well. Many of you know them. And uh, we've known each other over the last two decades. And when I heard they were visiting um, this morning, I thought, what a great opportunity to just hear from a, a voice that doesn't know our situation. You know, it's hard for me to get up and talk about things when I know you know that I know that you know that I know that it's you. So it's good to have a, another voice, a prophetic voice. So Mark, Debbie, don't you want to stand up? We want to welcome you. Amen. Can we all stand up? Because I just want to pray for them. Let's stand up. Please come up. And uh, Lord, we thank you for, for, for Mark, for the gift. Both him and Debbie are to your body and the work you're doing in Vancouver with them. And we just receive the word today in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, friends, and especially to you guys. It's so cool seeing you. We go back a long, 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 long time. So, Mike and I, why don't you make yourself comfortable? I think I'm not going to be that long, but Michael might be a little longer than for you to stand the whole time. Thank you so much for being so welcoming. Terry, you too, darling. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we live on Vancouver Island, which is just across the water from Vancouver, and we planted out in 1997. And um, it's been a, a, a wonderful, wonderful road with lots of bumps and scratches. But God is a God who is faithful. He is good. He is gracious. And he is so kind. And whilst we were worshiping, I just felt the Lord say, remind my people that I am still the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And there were times when you read through the Old Testament and you see that people, and then you shared about being hard-pressed, but we have this treasure. We serve a faithful God. He is loving and He is kind. And it doesn't matter whatever it is that you're going through, whether you are facing a, a Red Sea and the Egyptians behind you, God will make a way. Whether you have to look at the cupboards and think, where on earth is my next supply coming from? God supplied manna and quail every single day. He is our provider. Whether it is you needing strategic strategies in business, I think Gideon is still known to be the best militant warrior and strategist. God is a God who is faithful and He knows and He cares for each and every one of us. When we come to Him, He is the one that gives us ideas, creative thinking, and He sustains us through whatever. We came here because my mom severed a very, very severe stroke. And so I got on the plane and we, that was six weeks ago. And the doctor said to us, just prepare your hearts because I don't think your mom's going to see the week through. And it was a very difficult prayer. I said, Lord, either heal my mum or please take her, which honestly, it took me at least five days to come to that place. But I could not see my mum suffer. 
And here to say that my mum is now trying to speak. She can't still, she's immobilized and can't get the words out. But I have seen God's grace and God's strength and God's faithfulness every single day. What seems an incredibly impossible situation, I'm seeing glimmers of hope. And so if I may just say, don't ever stop believing. I think there's a famous song, hey? Don't stop believing. God is a good God, you don't sing. Thank you so much. And Father, I just thank you for Michael. I thank you, Lord God, that his heart is prepared. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would have your way with him and give us ears to hear and soft hearts to receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. you. Wonderful. Boss Dave to stay up and continue playing uh, the piano. I just feel such a presence of God in this place, and um, I've never done this before. Had a piano player playing while I do this, but uh, Dave and Kerry, we go back many, many years. We're in the same church in um, Waterfall. In fact, Kerry's dad was our pastor for many years, so we've got a long history. And Terry and Joe, what can we say, friends? for life and uh, we love them and they every time we come they open up their heart we we heard of Deb's mom on the Sunday and flew out on the Tuesday I phoned um, Terry on the Monday and we arrived and haven't haven't left yet on the Thursday and just wonderful people and Steve we we met in Bloemfontein of all places and it was love at first sight eh? (laughs) I'm joking and uh, yeah Greg and Michelle friends of ours so the history with this church, Rob and Glenda, what an amazing people. So you guys are blessed, and we're blessed to be here. And Steve, thanks for trusting me um, with, the, with the pulpit and so on. And so God has a habit of doing this to me. Um, you know, you, man plans, but God directs, eh? And um, so we'll see where this goes. But um, I just wanted to say this to... To all of you, before I really start, I just got this word, holy and dearly loved. That's how God sees you. See, God sees us in Christ. And He doesn't love us because of what we do. We do things because we love Him and in obedience, but He loves us for who we are. And He loves you and He cares for you and never will leave you or forsake you. And... Um, we love coming back here. We never left um, South Africa to run away. It was a big deal for us. We just felt God calling us to Canada to plant a church. And um, so in obedience, we did this. But we love coming back here. And um, we want to see God's kingdom come here as much as we do in Canada. Pray for us there. Different kinds of demons. But uh, there's a lot of work to do too there. And so... I just felt for a little while just to speak on living a life worthy. We sang that song and that just gave me a little bit of an insight to maybe what God wants to say. And I have a few notes on that that I just uh, picked up from my iPad again. But living a life worthy of the kingdom, representing Christ well. We are Christ's ambassadors. And as I, in Canada especially, you won't believe believe this, but less than 5% 
of people go to church in Canada now. Another 10% would say they're Christian. So we're in a post-Christian society. And whenever I meet with uh, non-Christians, and I love doing that, I love hanging with them, uh, I never tell them I'm a pastor because then they don't want to hang with me. But um, so often the questions and the, the things they have is they're not upset with Jesus Christ. They're upset with the church. And always the church, the church, the church. And so we've got a lot of stuff to do as ambassadors of Christ. But when you point them to Christ and they begin to understand who He is and what He's done, those things change. And, um, you know, I love the church. We've given our hearts and lives to the church. Uh, uh, and uh, I want to see it grow. But we need to sometimes reflect on where we're at and be encouraged by God. And I firmly believe in my heart, spiritually, that the best is yet to come for this nation. I really do believe that. Sometimes it takes some trials and tribulations to get our attention. And Canada's starting to feel those there too in different ways. And the church for sure. A lot of, um, I wouldn't say persecution, but a lot of antagonism towards the church. And it's causing us to look inward and upward and let that light shine because light shines brighter in darkness and we are the light and when you switch a light on in a dark room there's no argument you don't have to argue with darkness to leave the room you switch and it's gone and we are the light of the world we are the city of the hills because of Jesus Christ but I want to start here in Ephesians Paul uh, in Rome in jail writes these prison epistles and he to the church of Ephesians, Colossians, and Philippians, he speaks about living a life worthy in different ways. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 to, 1 to 6, Paul writes this, As a prisoner of the Lord, I then urge you to live a life calling, worthy of the calling you have received. And he then goes on to tell us how, and he says this, Be completely humble and gentle and patient, Bearing with one another in love. I love that word, bearing with one another. Isn't it sometimes that we just have to grin and bear it? There's a wonderful word in the King James that talks about long-suffering. And sometimes we have to do that. But we need to do it in love, understanding that God has put us together for a purpose. He's planted you. You didn't decide to come here. God determines the exact time and place and space that we'll live so that through us, men will reach out to Him and find Him. For in Him, we live and move and have our being. So you are here, not here by accident. You are here because God brought you together and another. It goes on to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Unity takes effort. Because we can't always have it our way. But for the sake of unity, unless it's denying the faith, we have to make effort and space for each other because we are all different. I have a family, beautiful family, um, three children, my wife, and five grandkids. And I tell you, it's a heck of a job sometimes just to keep unity in that little family. And we love each other. 
How much more with a couple of hundred people, hey, Dad, in this place? And I understand, yes, uh, we need to hear and receive, but sometimes for the sake of unity, because unity is so important. Sorry, I just got my iPad gone up here. And on the front page, why I'm taking so long is because it's got a picture of my beautiful wife on it. So. And um, just understand that. We have to bear with each other for unity sometimes. We have to make an effort. We all have ways that we can do things. And they might all be right, but for the sake of the church and for the sake of the unity, can I encourage you to get behind the leaders. And if they make a mistake, lift them up. Maybe they'll come and say, you know, you were right. We can move on from there. Amen? Why is that? Because there's only one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. There's only one faith and one baptism and one Lord. And God is the Father of all. All. And I want to take that context simply, not only unity in the body of Christ here, because believe it or not, you're just one little part like us of a body, of the body of Christ. And we need to start striving for unity between the churches, working together. And we're going to work to and tell you exactly what God promised to do when we do that. And it is not easy. But I tell you, the benefits far outweigh the little time of bearing it with each other. Amen. And you see, in Philippians 2, Paul writes this. And he says this to this church. Whatever happens... Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the kingdom. Then whether I come and see you or only hear you in my absence, you will know that I stand firm in one spirit, try striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Tells them the same thing. But then he goes on in chapter 2 to tell them what this, how to do it and what it looks like. And I read this chapter and I read this passage and I think if we could just do these first four or five verses, if we just got it as our church's name's Oceanside, we're on an island, it happens to be near an ocean. But I said to our church, if we could just get this right, what would God do? And we're striving for unity as much as anybody else. And he writes this, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort in His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, have any of you got any of those things? Yes, we do. And Paul, as the dad of this church who planted it, nearly lost his life in the planting in Acts 16, supernaturally birthed church through a vision and Paul supernaturally inside was released from jail. And this church was birthed. And he says this to them. Make my joy complete by being like-minded. Having the same love. 
being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. That one verse changed our lives. Each one should look not only of your own interests, but also the interests of others. And then he gives the ultimate example of a life lived worthy, and that is Jesus Christ, who humbled himself, the humility of God, who humbled himself. And it says this, your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. I love that word attitude, because that's one thing we can control. <laughs> we can determine our attitude. And it should be like Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. He wasn't nothing. He was God incarnate, the creator of the universe, the living word, the spoken word of God, humbled himself. He humbled himself and made himself nothing. Why? For you and I. And he took the very nature of a servant and been made in human likeness and been found in the appearance of a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. And because of that, God exalted him. God pours his grace on the humble, but he resists the proud. And I know Peter knew that very well because <laughs> he had to be humbled himself. I'll never leave you. I'll never do this. Bolts out the door. He understood what God was saying here. Peter understood that. Paul understood that. And what did God do? He exalted him. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And I often see this in my life. I'm praying to God, and God, why, why am I not getting no breakthrough? And he says, speak to the hand. Sort your stuff out. Sort your stuff out. What stuff? Do you really want me to show you what it is? Sort it out. We go in humility. See, humility is this way and this way. See, rather be right and be humble than right and be proud. You might have had a, been offended by somebody and you might have a right to do that. Until you see what Jesus Christ did. And if we want to see an open heaven, it's going to take a humble people seeking the face of God, seeking His face. And God exalted Him to the highest place, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And why is humility so important 
Because humility is the basis for unity. We need to humble ourselves. We need to get over our stuff. And I've spoken to our church about this often. Maybe because God's speaking it to me. And I need to hear it often. But what happens when we do that? And what will happen in this nation? We've been uh, camping in 2 Chronicles 7.14 since the beginning of the year. Breaking it down. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. God knows our needs and we need to ask Him for that. We give Him our daily bread. But we need to seek God's face more than His hand. It's intimacy. It's coming into His presence. To me, it's like walking under, I have a grubby day and I'm full of stuff and all of my issues and all of that. It's like going into a waterfall and just standing there and saying, Father, wash me, cleanse me. That's what God wants to do. Seek His face. And the last thing is, and turn from their wicked ways. Repent. He's not talking about the wicked ways out there. He's talking about His people. He's talking about me dealing with my stuff. But He says, Then I will hear from heaven, and I will heal their land. Canada is a post-Christian society. It needs healing. It needs restoration. And God gives us four things. So we've looked at each one of them over and over and over. Humbling ourselves. Prayer. Seeking His face. And repenting. Because we hold the key to the nation. We hold the key. Not the politicians. God used evil men for His work. Pharaohs and Babylonian kings. And all kinds of people. Cyrus and all of these people. And I can imagine it just needs to start with a few people like Oceanside. Like this beautiful church, Highway. Saying, God, we want to see this nation here. It's way bigger than us. Because when we begin to do this, it's like we begin to dig a well. beautiful well and the beauty about a well is it opens a portal into accesses, access that we would never ever had had that well not been dug and we, we begin to dig spiritual wells we open a portal into the resources of God into the supernatural resources of God we, need, we get out those rocks and those stones and those things that are the wellspring Proverbs first says, above all, guard your heart for it's a wellspring of life. When we get rid of those things and the rivers begin to flow, the people will begin to come into the presence of God, not only because of we've called them, but because they are thirsty. And the thirsty will come to drink. 
That's what God wants to do here in this place, in our place, in every church. And I'm going to read Psalm 133. It's an amazing song about unity. And when I read this psalm, this is what I imagine. See, I'm a dad and I've got kids and all of that and sometimes things are going well, sometimes not so well. But I have a picture because the context of this was the unification of Israel. When the 12 tribes came back together and anointed David a king after many many, many years of civil war. The tribes scattered. The tribes divided. Churches scattered. Churches divided. But they came and they acknowledged Him. And I have this picture in my mind. If you just close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to imagine this. God speaking to God. God the Father with God the Son and God the Holy Spirit in the throne room speaking to each other. I'll give you an example for me. We've got beautiful kids and five beautiful grandchildren. When they come to our place for, at Christmas time and at the table and they're having fun and all of it, it's beautiful in Canada because we actually get real snow in winter. And it's beautiful. And I, they're all at the table and the banter and that. And I love my own space. So I like to go away and go and sit in my chair. Let's say the table's here. And I just watch them. And I'm so overwhelmed with joy and happiness in those moments when the family gets along. When it's just that Instant. And I see God looking down at David and the tribes coming together again. People that wanted to kill each other and destroy each other. And they anoint him as king. And God says to Jesus, the Holy Spirit, Behold our good and present in us. Will my children dwell together in unity? I think God's heart was just pumping at that time. And it goes on from there. It says it's like the precious oil poured on the head. The Holy Spirit being poured out. Running down the beard. Running down Aaron's beard. Down the collar of his robe. The priesthood of all believers. The priests of God. It's like that anointing just begins to flow. The beautiful thing about oil is it's sticky sticks to you and that anointing begins to touch others around you as we do that it goes on it's as if the Jew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion for there the Lord commands his blessing and even life forevermore I want to leave it at that now I just felt Ask Deborah, this is a miracle because I love to preach. But I feel God is doing something here. I feel God sees your hearts. I want to say first and foremost, I feel Him so well done. 
good and faithful servants. He doesn't expect perfection. He's the only one that could walk this earth without sinning. And that was Jesus Christ. And that's why we live under an open sky of grace because of Jesus. But he sees our hearts. He said, I found in David the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, and he would do everything I asked him to do. We know David didn't do everything God asked him to do. But he repented, and God forgave him. And Psalm 103 says, I separate your sins as far as the east is from the west and choose to remember them no more. Not because he's got a bad memory, but because in his sovereignty, it is painful. Gone. It's accused of the brethren. You're going to go out there and say, I want to do this. Stuff will happen. Yeah, your accuser will come. No, 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 no. We run into our father's arms. You see, the difference to me between David and Saul was not the sin. In fact, I think Saul actually sinned less than David. He didn't try and kill another man's, another woman's husband. Well, he didn't kill her. He didn't do any of those things. But when confronted by Samuel, Saul blamed everybody else. He didn't take it. He didn't repent. Nathan goes to David. Now David has been hiding this for eight, nine months as is before this baby was born. I don't know where Bathsheba was, whether she's away, but this baby was born. So he must have thought about this for a long time. And Nathan comes and confronts him. And you can read the story. And David goes from there and he writes Psalm 51, the psalm of repentance against you, Lord. Saul, Samuel, it's your fault. It was the sheep bleating. The, 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 the armies were scattering, so I did it. I did the sacrifice and say, I, 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 I wonder if Samuel just said, hey, I'm sorry. Because that's what David said. And in Psalm 51, he says, against you only, Lord, against you have I sinned. And he says, then create in me a pure heart. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Lead me in the paths of righteousness. And God just pours out his love. David understood the new covenant. Because he says, it's not bulls and rams that you want. You want to contrite heart and a broken spirit you will not despise and I believe there are people here that have heard of the forgiveness of God and have received it but have allowed the enemy to rob you of your future and I want to say not one of the writers of this book did not sin and many of them pretty more badly than than most of us but they came to God and they repented 
they humbled themselves. They prayed and sought His face. And I believe this simple kind of message to me is not only for Canada, not only for other churches that God opens up to. I have no idea why God uses us. I'm very grateful He is. I don't say this, but we travel the world. A little kid born in Harare, <laughs> growing up in waterfall. <laughs> and the God opens the doors, not because of anything we can do, but only because of what He can do through us. And I'm not saying that in a proud way. I'm, I'm amazed. And yet I know my failings. And yet I know the things I do wrong. And yet I think, God, I, I don't deserve to stand here before people and all of those. But by grace through faith. And I don't need to speak to people on grace when they have Rob Rufus here so often. Because he has this revelation that I'm still trying to understand. But I feel God wants to pour out that grace afresh upon you right now. And I feel that He wants to set you free. And the few things that I feel that God wants to do, number one, is for us to simply fess up if we need to. You see, repentance isn't a dirty word. Repentance is a gateway to freedom. First thing Peter said, what shall we do? Repent and be baptized. Turn around. It's like we're going in the wrong direction and God calls us up. And the second thing is we have things against each other. We need to humble ourselves. I need to. And I saw the most beautiful thing happen in Durban the first week we were here. Because I know a lot of things have gone down here. It's because the enemy is afraid of the church of Durban. He's afraid. And divide and conquer is his way. He never changes. And we were at the Rock Church. And there was a gathering of leaders. Steve was there. And friends of mine that I know had not spoken to each other for some while were worshipping together and making right with each other and because we, we frail too and I had some issues with some of them too that I need to deal with had to deal with but I just felt like this portal, this well begin to flow again as the rocks of offense and the rocks of unforgiveness and the rocks of those things were removed I just felt that and I saw these pastors just realizing how much they loved each other and we loved each other and I felt that that is just the beginning the beginning of what God wants to do but he always partners with us and I just want to encourage us in these last words of me too and I feel we just want to worship for a while is that we need to make every effort of the Spirit for the bond of peace. This is not only for spiritual families, it's for physical families. God loves you. 
God wants to heal you. God wants to set you free. He wants to do that to me today too. And so if we could just for a moment, if you don't mind, just um, worship for a little while, Steve, and I'll hand over to, I'll hand over to you, Steve. And, no, it's good. Just five minutes, yeah, ten minutes. Who's like you, Lord, in all the earth? Much as love, beauty, and this world. Nothing in this world can satisfy. Because Jesus, you're the cup that won't drink dry. Your presence is heaven to me. Your presence is heaven to me. Treasure of my heart and of my soul. In my weakness, you are merciful. Redeemer of my past and present wrong. Holder of my future days to come. Oh, your presence is heaven to me. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Your presence is heaven to me. Yes, it is. Yes, it is.
then before we leave this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer. I'll lead you. You can just pray it in your heart. You're praying it to God, not to man. Just pray it in your heart now. Say, Lord, today I heard that you are a forgiving God. That Jesus has made an overpayment. My past sins, my present sins, my future sins, as far as the east is from the west. You say, if I believe in my heart and say it with my mouth, I will be saved. So right now, that's what I'm doing. I'm believing in my heart that Jesus died, was buried and rose again for me. And I say, you, Jesus Christ, are Lord. I also know this message this morning ministered to a lot of people in other ways. And that's also the waterfall cleansing. But if you prayed the prayer I just prayed now for the first time, you said, yes, Steve, today, I mean business with God. And I believe. And I want you just to, to raise your hand up because I want to pray for you where you're standing right now. Just raise your hand up high enough that I can see it where I'm standing. I wouldn't want anyone to leave here today just having heard a talk and sung some songs and not been given an opportunity to meet Jesus Christ as their Lord. 